We'll go to Joshua 14. <clears throat> Joshua 14. Then we'll look at verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered into the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then. Even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, wherever the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Now in this passage, Caleb, he was given a possession to conquer, a mountain. It was a land of giants, so he had, I'm sure, huge swaths of land. Caleb, unlike all the other Jews in this passage, in previous cases where the Jews were wandering in the wilderness, Caleb was very different from the rest of the Jews. The Jews would complain, they would whine, they would be scared. They would be very dependent upon a leader, which makes sense why they repeated a cycle that they could not break, they could not overcome. This cycle they could not break is because they were dependent on a system or somebody to break the cycle for them in the book of Judges. You would read in the book of Judges that they would sin, they would mess up because there was no judge. Then when the judge delivered them, they would serve God, they would live for God as long as that judge lived. But if that judge died out, the children of Israel would repeat a cycle. No, Caleb was not like that. What made him different was, I want that piece of land. I want to serve God. I want to do something about it. The key difference was, he is not dependent on someone or something to give him the blessing that he wants. For him to accomplish something for God. That's the difference with him and the Jews. The thing is, is... Do you see yourself stuck in some kind of a cycle? Do you see yourself as a Jew whining, complaining? Do you see yourself where things in this church, now just be completely honest, things in this church that you wish could be better? Do you see things in your home and in your life that could be better? I hope so. I hope so. I really hope that you uh, have it in your heart that there's something missing that we could do something more, that there could be some positive changes. You should have that. Don't get me wrong, we should be content with what God has given to us. 
But I'm not talking about that kind of contentment. I'm talking about, are you looking in your life and are there some things missing that could be better? There are some things that you wish that God has blessed you with, but you didn't get. If you are discovering these things, then rather than sitting on your duff and being dependent on something or some event to happen or somebody to give it to you, why don't you just say, I want that, and you do something about it. If you want something for your teens, you do something about it. If you want a better singing group, you do something about it. If you want good preaching here, you do something about it. Well, I'm not a good preacher. I'm not a good teacher. I can't do anything about it. You do something about it. You don't depend on Pastor Kim. Now, you want the seats to be filled right here? You do something about it. Is your home a wreck? Is your family life a wreck? Are you stuck in some sinful cycle? You do something about it. I ain't Jesus Christ, and I can't help you. You've seen what I can help you with. Did that one counseling session. Did that one... Did that thing really solve the problem for you? It didn't. I'm just a temporary band-aid, a vessel that the Lord could use to minister to your life. But you know, the ultimate thing is you do something about it. Only you can make the change. Only you can make the difference. And I hope that you get what you want. I really mean that. If there's some things that are missing in your life, I hope that you'll find that. If there are some things that you wish, you wish, could be fixed and repaired, and you feel like it's not, it cannot be fixed and repaired, I wish that you can do that today. I hope that this sermon will reach you. Uh, title of my message is, Do Something About It. Now, Father, will you fill within me the power of your Holy Spirit and the cleansing of your blood, and help me to preach what you want me to preach. I pray that these people's lives will be touched and changed. Only you can reach them, Lord. Only you can help them. Uh, Lord, I'm so broken, Lord. I'm so broken. But I ain't going to use this as my excuse that I can't preach. I'm going to do something about it and trust in you. And I pray that you use this broken vessel to uh, minister powerfully, Lord, for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Caleb was very different. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Caleb, he pointed out when we go to Numbers 14. Now, keep your hand here your hand here at Joshua 14. I want us to go to Numbers 14. Numbers chapter 14. Now this is the incident. This is the passage where we first discover Caleb. Where because he took a stand and said, hey, I want to conquer that land. That's where we first hear about him. He didn't follow the rest of the Jews. The Jews died out in the wilderness, but Caleb was the one that survived. This is that passage, that famous passage. But we get a little, of a, a little bit of an idea why Caleb is that type of person. I want to do something about it. We can learn something right here in this passage. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14. Notice what God said. God said at verse 21, But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, 
because he had another spear with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. This passage shows you why Caleb was able to uh, get the blessing of God to conquer the promised land. Why he was that type of person, I want to do something about it. The difference was, notice right here, that Caleb, he did not follow the Jews in whining and complaining. They were whining and complaining. They were saying, these are big giants. The enemies in Canaan have huge walls. There's no way that we can conquer them. But Caleb was different from them. Caleb didn't follow that spirit, that, uh, that trapped spirit, that gloomy spirit, that complaining attitude. He said, no, we can conquer it. He, he wasn't negative. He wasn't depressed. What made him different? I mean, if you and I were the Jews, we would be different. That's the key problem we see right here, why the Jews were different from Caleb, why they were not like his mindset to be independent, that I'm going to fix it. I want to do something for God. No, I have confidence. I'm not depressed, and I'm not pessimist, and I'm not negative. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I'm too weak. No, 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 no. Like Caleb, I can do it. But why the Jews couldn't be like that is a problem they always had. They complained, they whined, they tempted the Lord. So let's look at one of the first cases where they did that, huh? Let's go to Exodus 16. Now keep your hand also at Numbers 14, all right? We're going to go over there. And like I promised you, I'm a mess today, so we're going to go through a mess of Scripture, all right? All right, let's go to Exodus 16. Exodus chapter 16. Now, let's not be too hard on the Jews here, huh? Let me not be, uh, let me not be too negative or judgmental of them. I see a lot of what I can empathize with right here. Picture you being the Jew in that wilderness. Do you know how hot it is out there? If you are thirsty and you are hungry, you're not going to pretend like you're a soldier of Jesus Christ and, no, you're going to go, man, I'm starving to death. Man, I am thirsty. I mean, if you get out of, I mean, Egypt was a beautiful place. You get out there and you're in the middle of the sand and desert because some guy with the shepherd's staff promised you, I'm going to take you to a really good place, and you're doing that for years? You're not going to complain once? I mean, let's not be too hard on them. I can understand it. Exodus 16.2 And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. And we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into, into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, no way you and I would do something dramatic like that. That's pretty mean. But when you are pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed with, this, with the trials of the wilderness, things come out in your mind that, Lord, why couldn't you make it better? Lord, it was better to be back in the world where I was a lost person like in Egypt because I didn't get this kind of stuff when I became a safe Christian. I mean, when I was a lost person. But now that I became a safe Christian, all of a sudden, these bad things are happening to me. 
Lord, the world has something much more to offer. The church doesn't. Your life that you've given to me doesn't. Oh, why should I attend church? I'm not going to get something that I feel like I need that can spiritually change my life. I don't get a lot of people my age or of my background or my similar situations that I can befriend with. There are age gaps. There are cultural gaps. Uh, Lord, there are some people in the church that are inconsiderate that I just couldn't stand. Lord, it's a difficult drive to come over here to this church. I mean, it's not like it's walking distance or it's easy to drive. I have to drive through all these crazy roads in the Bay Area of all places to get over here. Lord, I am uh, too busy. Lord, I am too sick. Lord, my health is fading. I mean, these things come in our mind and we can't help it but just complain and want something to be better. Wouldn't we like it where we had a, a room full of people where there are, if you're a single, you have a lot of singles you can relate to. If you're a married couple, you have a lot of married couples you can relate to. If you're an elderly person, you got a lot of elderly people you can uh, relate to. If you're a teenager, you got a lot of teens that you can relate to. If you had uh, the church that was not so much of a difficult drive, like all the other churches that you see, even Bible-believing churches, they got churches that they don't have to drive with much difficulty. If we were not in California... If we were just not in the Bay Area, wouldn't that make a whole world of a difference? Maybe we could have just, life could have been better, job could have been better, family life could have been better. If it weren't for the wickedness of this evil environment, maybe my kids could turn out better. Maybe I would, my, I myself would turn out better. I wouldn't be tempted with all this stuff in the world. You can't help but complain. You can't help it. You can't help it. I'm wandering here. I got sand. I'm getting sunburned. I'm, it's too hot. There's no food to eat. I mean, that's all I want is food to eat. I never asked for, a, 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 I never asked for a, an air conditioner. I never asked for a nice home to live in. I'm not asking for you to increase my salary. All I just want is food to eat. Can't really blame them for complaining like that. Yeah, why was God still angry with them? Yeah, why was God still angry with them? Why don't you do something about it? Instead of just complaining about everything bad going on and thinking that you're doom and gloom. No, no. Why don't you do something about it? What could they have done? Maybe ask Moses, please. May I have food? Maybe they could have prayed to the Lord. Lord, you split the Red Sea. Can you give me manna? Couldn't they have prayed? Didn't they have livestock and cattle? What do you mean they're starving to death? If they really researched as, and just sat still and thought about it a bit, they could have found the resource they need to eat. Why don't you do something about it, huh? Well, I don't have people to fellowship with. Do you do something about it? Why don't you invite other people to church? Do you have, uh, why don't you look for resources yourself? Well, I don't have fun in this church. Why don't you do something fun for yourself? Rather than asking the pastor, the church, or your parents, or somebody else to give you the fun. Why don't you do something about it? Well, you know, I, I don't, we don't have a lot of good singing here. They're all off key. Hey, why don't, you, uh, why don't you volunteer to play the instrument? Why don't you be the one to song lead? Why don't you help out, you know? Why don't you do something about it? 
Well, life is so unfair in the job, in the workplace, in the family, I can't, just can't control. Hey, why don't you do something about it? There are plenty of Bible-believing materials you can read and study. Why don't you pray to the Lord about it? Why don't you come to the pastor for counseling? Why don't you surrender to the Lord? Why don't you do something about it? But here you are, the Jew, whining, complaining. You brought us out here to, God, to die. God, why would you do this? Hey, why don't you do something about it? You know why uh, your life is not better? You know why you got a lot of missing things? You know why you're not happy? You're not doing anything about it. I want a full house in this church. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stink and do something about it. Let's go soul winning. Let's invite people. Let's do the best I can on the internet ministry. Let me preach something that can encourage these people to keep it up. I'm going to do something about it. How about you? Or are you dependent, Jew, on a judge, on a leader to make things better for you? And that's why you will join that one world government to be dependent on a leader to make things better for you. And you think that your vote on a right leader will make all the difference in the world. Why don't you do something about it? Impossible to plant a Bible-believing church in the Bay Area. Look at this. Why? Somebody did something about it. Rather than all running away to the South or to the Bible Belt where it's easier to plant a Bible-believing church and then you split that church and then you plant another church. Why don't you do something about it? Stop whining, stop complaining. I empathize with you. It's not easy. Like the Jew, I empathize with you, it's hard. But why don't you stop whining and do something about it? Maybe things might change a bit. That's what Caleb did. He didn't sit down whine and, oh man, those giants are so tough, the wall is so high. No, he did something about it himself. You know, I had one of the most unfair lives. I mean, in my dad's church, you see a lot of young people, but there was no young people when, when I was there. I was all by myself, serving God. The world was so enticing in California. There was that cultural barrier with my family speaking Korean, and then there are my generation speaking English, and then who wants to attend a Bible-believing church? I mean, my dad was uh, affiliated with uh, Dr. Ruckman's materials. What IFB school, what IFB church would uh, fellowship after that? We are the smallest of the small. I mean, I had every reason in the world to whine and complain and be depressed and alone, and I did. But how do I get this now? I stinking did something about it. I had to get up and I said, look, I'm going to get up, win more souls to Christ. I'm gonna, oh, I want more Bible-believing churches to be planned. And I want something to be here. I ain't just going to sit down and whine and say, God, why did you put me in this position? No, I did, I did something about it. Now we're getting all kinds of people in. Where? The Bay Area of all places. Why? Do something about it. And don't you dare depend on me. You do something about it. Like last Sunday. You did something about it. You want that kind of a fellowship? You want that kind of a church? You do something about it. Don't expect and gamble. Next Sunday, I hope it will be like that again. And No, you do something about it. That's a dependent mindset. Dependent on some whim or some chance or some system or somebody. 
to make things better. No, you do something about it. What are you complaining about? Be truthful. Come on, use your head. Is there something you want to complain about? You should. Is is there something you want to complain about? You should. Then you know what you should do after that? Do something about it. Unless you want to accept things as it is, fine. Accept things as it is. Let's return uh, to the passage when we go to Numbers uh, 14. Numbers 14. Numbers chapter 14. Caleb was different. He didn't complain. He didn't whine. He didn't have that spirit that was oppressed, trapped, depressed, whining, and doom and gloom and negative. In verse 24, it says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit, See, it's a spirit that was different from the dependent, complaining, whining people. He did something about it and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. Caleb had something different. His, his spirit did not follow the spirit of the rest of the people who was down, depressed. Are you following the spirit of the world here? The spirit of your generation, the spirit of that depression, that's trapped, that rebellious, that uh, hopelessness. Are you trapped in with the rest of the people whining and complaining about everything and you wish your life could be better? Are you trapped in that spirit? Or do you have another spirit where you're like, I'm sick and tired of all this. I want to do something about it myself. Amen. You know, maybe you're not complaining hard enough. Maybe you should continue your life like this if you have nothing to complain about. Keep living that miserable life. Let the misery grow more so that you can finally, finally be so sick and tired. Finally complain so hard that you're like, no one's doing anything, so I'm going to do something about it. About time! Some of you aren't complaining hard enough. Some of you aren't discontent hard enough. Some of you need to do that so that you can get off your duff and do something about it. Caleb, he did. He did something about it. That's why he didn't complain. That's why he wasn't depressed. He's like, what did he do? How did his spirit differ from the spirit of that people? Go to Numbers 13. Numbers 13, verse 30. Numbers 13, verse 30. It's easy to follow the flow with everybody. To be dead, to be tired, to be depressed, just be trapped and then be dependent, hoping that something or somebody would give you something good. It's hard to break that spirit. But it's verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now that's the language of a person who's positive, who's not depressed. That's the language of a person who's not complaining, but confident. Who believes that he can get, a, he, he can get that good life of possessing what God can bless him with. 
That's the language of a person right there. How was his positive spirit different from that negative, pessimist spirit of the crowd? You have to understand it's easy to go by the flow of the world. When you feed yourself with electronics and busyness of the world and all you are exposed to is the world, it is so easy your spirit can go along with that spirit of disobedience that have possessed the people following the course of this world. It's so easy to follow that train. So, like the verse says, you need another spirit. But how you get that other spirit is, this evil spirit you're possessed by, that you're feeling dragged down, that's clouding your mind with so much negativity, complexity, and a thousand worries and fears, you need to still it. Verse 30, Caleb stilled the people. He didn't like that spirit. He's like, calm it down. Calm down. You know what? This, uh, you need to stay still. You know what you are? You're with the world. Following the world. And then just too lost in that, in that machine, that when the world complains, you complain. When the world has something lustful and fleshly to offer, you follow it. You need to, you need to still yourself and say, stop. But you won't. You need to still that wicked spirit that's possessing you. And you need to take in that Holy Spirit and say, okay, let's pray about this. Lord, give me wisdom on how to resolve this matter. Lord, how can I make my life better? Lord, there are some things, some holes in my family life, in my mental life. In my walk with you, there are some of these holes that need patching. What can I do? Or are you too busy? That's your excuse. Are you too weak? That's your excuse. And or are you, see, that's what, that's that spirit of the course of this world. Dependent on somebody or something to save you. You need to still that demonic spirit. Stop being such a pessimist. If the Lord called you to preach, if the Lord called you to do something, if the Lord wants you to do a task, be confident in God and say, I can do this thing. And if you can't because there's a thousand devils and spirits that's, that's controlling you, still those demonic spirits. Still it. And, let the, and then take in that Holy Spirit, finally, through prayer, through finally meditating and thinking, finally taking that book, studying, researching. Say, Lord, give me something. You need to still it all. You know what? Uh, that, still, that stillness can happen because of chapter 14, verse 8, chapter 14, verse 8. You know why Caleb was able to still that demonic spirits that that's possessing everybody, that's feeling depressed and trapped and hopeless and, oh, we're all going to die. Oh, I wish my life could be better. Oh, you know, this is horrible. I mean, nothing can be done. You know how he was able to still that? That other spirit in him was more easily able to come him, to come into him because of verse 8. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land. And give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Because he believed in God. Nothing hard, people. This is the basic of all basics. You just trust God. If I keep looking how wicked this area is and how depressed my life is and, 
you know, how my life could be better and then see what the world offers and all that, if I keep looking at the doom and gloom and the bleakness of all that, then that shows that I have no faith in the Lord to conquer these giants and to make a change and make a difference. And I would have never pastored this church here. You know what kept me going? Just complete faith that God's in control. What is there to fear if God is in control? Where is your faith? Have you lost it? That verse says, if the Lord delight in us. Okay, does the Lord delight in you to come to this church? You know that? Are you fully persuaded? Does the Lord delight that your fellowship life could be better here in this church? That you want to make a difference, do something about it? If the Lord delights in that, then he will bring it to pass. He will. He will. You just need to follow him and do something about it. It's impossible how we can get a blowout here. But I knew that the Lord was leading us to do something like this. Because I had faith, this is God's will, that God will do this. Especially, remember 2020? Nothing can be done without faith. I was fully persuaded. God wants me to do this thing. Then we have the blessing of all blessings. Why? What is there to fear if God's in control? I don't care how impossible the odds are, how negative your life is, how hopeless it is, or how big those giants are. Stop thinking about it. Steal those demonic spirits and remember how great your God is. And if it's God's will for your life to get better, for him to bless your life, for him, for him to make you happy, then what is there to doubt or fear? Just do it. If God's, if God's will is in it, if that's what God wants, why don't you do it? Why don't you trust him? Instead of being such a pessimist and then being dependent and hoping one day that something would, uh, something would make things better. Well, if God's will is for you to do this thing in your life, don't be so negative on yourself or criticize yourself. Just do it for the Lord. You want to make things better in your life? Do it then. Well, I can't do it because, because what? Then you lost your faith in God. All right? If God's will is behind this, then just do it and you can trust him. Verse 8 again, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land. Is this something that God wants? If that's something God wants, what can stop that? If that's something that God's will is, what powerful force can conquer God's will? Absolutely nothing. You need to think about God's will then this time. See, in anything in life, no matter how broken your life is, how hopeless the trial or suffering or the bad situation you're going through, you've got to forget all of that and think about what is God's will for me in all this. That's the greatest peace the greatest peace in everything. Not like, what's the better med? What's the better counseling? What's, uh, is moving out better? Or No, 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 no. What is God's will in all this? If the Lord delights in this, and this is God's will, then what can stop that? Nothing. Nothing better than being in God's will and doing it.
Stop crying and whining and thinking your life is doom and gloom and thinking there are better options out there. No, no, stop that. Find God's will. Still your thousand spirits and get another spirit. And then remember that the Lord is your God and that nothing can stop what he wants to do with your life. When you go to Numbers 14, another thing that we can look at with Caleb in verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land until he went and his seed shall possess it. Notice the similar wording of Joshua 14. Joshua 14. Verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Now we can understand Caleb's confidence that I am going to get this mountain. I'm going to get what I want. Uh, we can see the understanding of this because he said, because I wholly followed the Lord. Because he followed God completely, fully, all the way, he knew that he was going to get what he wanted, that God would give it to him. And you and I know that too. If we would only live our lives for God, stay away from sin, make sure we follow his perfect will, then as long as we faithfully keep all of his commandments, I mean, God will bless us. God will take care of the problems. You and I know that. So then, because we think that way, listen, that's why we're not confident in the decisions we make and the life we live in because we feel like that there's something in our life we're not really right with God in. Right. So why would God bless it? Why would God bother, right? Wow. That's good preaching, Always that kind of uh, pessimist thinking where there's something I'm not right with God in, that's what causes you to doubt the decisions that, and the choices that you make that you want to accomplish, that you have a desire to do in your life. Correct? Amen. I would dare say everyone has that. How many times have I questioned myself, my motives behind something? And I wondered, if, is this what God really wants? Is there something in my life that's not right with God? And that's the reason why I feel like when I want to accomplish the desire that I want in my life, that I can't be in peace about it. That God won't really bless me in my labors, my work for the Lord. God won't really bless my ministry, my church, because I feel like there's something I'm backslidden, something I'm not right with God. But actually, I don't think that's what it means in Numbers 14.8, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. I don't think what it meant was because Caleb wholly followed the commandments of God, like he had a perfect life. I actually don't think of it that way. So there's another reason, I think, why Caleb was confident he would get that mountain, that God would bless him in his decision. Not because he wholly followed the Lord in the sense that he stayed away from sin, he had a perfect life, and that his heart was right with God completely. I don't think it means it in that sense. Now, could it be? Sure, it could be. But I, like, I always look at the context right here. When I look at the context right here, we just have to go back to what happened at the incident. Go back to Numbers 14. Numbers 14. We got to go back to the incident. Maybe it could mean this way. 
<clears throat> Numbers 14. Notice verse 24, God says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. So this other spirit that refused to follow the spirit of that world that was so pessimistic that said, you can't do it. You can't do it. You're not going to get it. Because he didn't follow through with that. Notice, and had followed me. See that? Follow me. So Caleb, with that other spirit, followed God, not the people who are depressed and down. Followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land where into he went. In other words, what if that passage is saying that Caleb, when he said, I want Canaan, I want the land of Canaan. When he had that desire, it was like those other Jews. They had the same desire. We want the land of Canaan. We want to conquer it. But then when they went to Canaan, those Jews didn't really follow through with their desire on wanting the land of Canaan. And they said, oh, it's because of those giants, so I can't do it. But Caleb didn't follow that spirit, and he, and he did follow through his desire. He said, no, I wanted the land of Canaan before, I still want it now. Nothing was going to stop him from following fully, wholly through with what he wanted to do for the Lord to begin with. Good, what if because of that, that's why God said, I'm going to give him the land of Canaan. Yeah. You, know, you know what we got? I know you have a desire to make this church better, but do you follow fully through that? No, you just start out with the desire, but when those giants come, see, in your life, you don't follow fully through. You just feel like, well, this is hopeless. We're just going to live. The church will always be this way and nothing better I can do. Right? You don't follow fully through. That's your problem. That's your problem. Oh, my, my home and my house will always become this way. Nothing I can do about it. So then you just, you don't follow fully through. At the beginning, though, you had the desire. I want the church better. I want my home to be better. But what happened to that desire of yours? It's gone. You, don't, you didn't follow fully through all the way. Because of what? Because of those giants. Because of those giants. That's why God said, I'll give you the land of Canaan. Because that desire you had, you followed fully through. Now, let me ask you a question again. All right? What are you... What are you dissatisfied about with your life? What are you dissatisfied with the things in this church? What are you dissatisfied with the things going on in your home and family? What are the things that you are dissatisfied with your walk with Jesus Christ? Is there some things that you want to be better in your life? If you have that desire, my next question is, are you following that fully through or have you given up on that? Yeah, you gave up. You gave up. You know how I know? Because that's what the whole world is doing. That's why there is no Bible-believing church in the Bay Area. There aren't any people who will follow through all the way. I want a Bible-believing church here. I want better fellowship. I want better singing. I want more tracks to be passed. I want more souls to get saved. I want family life to be better. I want things to bond it. You're not doing anything about it. You gave up. Our church, we keep getting new things. That is very great. But it only was done because 
somebody or some people are following it through and have not given up that desire. Let me repeat again. I have not given up on the age demographics or the cultural demographics or the differences of these people here. Every single one of you, you can be age zero to a thousand, I don't care. I always have something specific and a plan in mind that I intend to follow through and minister to those needs. I have not given up. That's why we always have new things in the church. Are you going to follow through yourself too? You can't just depend on the pastor here or some people. Why don't you make a difference in your home, in your own life? Maybe you'll see some positive changes now, huh? Maybe you'll be more happy, huh? Rather than just complaining and whining about the dissatisfaction in your life. Hey, why don't you stink and do something about it? Do something about it. Follow through fully. As a matter of fact, you know how, how much Caleb followed through? Go to Joshua 14. He followed through after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. After 40 years of going through the same thing that those Jews complained about. The heat, the desert, the hot sand, hungry, thirsty, wandering and wandering, no permanent roof over their head, no beautiful land of Canaan, even though that was talked about so many times, after 40 years of living like that, he never gave up his desire. He never gave up what he wanted to do for the Lord. He followed through that much. He followed up that much. He never gave up, even after 40 years of such a hard wilderness. How about you? After you, hear, after you hear a preach and you get motivated to make that change in your life and you didn't follow through, did you? Because you just give it one week and you forget. Just one week you get depressed. One week you throw in the towel and give up. Hey, how about 40 years in a wilderness? How would you do? Notice that Joshua chapter 14. Caleb remembered, verse 10. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses. Verse 11, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain. He said that 45 years ago at Numbers 14. I can conquer that part of the land of Canaan. We can do it. I want that. He never gave up on that. 45 years later, I want that. He never gave up. He followed through all the way. Amen. Why don't you follow through? Simple. You're wandering in the wilderness. You're wandering in the wilderness is what makes you not follow through. It's what makes you give up. It's what makes you think that there's nothing that can be done about it. But Caleb didn't. He wandered 40 years. 40 years in the wilderness. 45 years passed, and he believed God will give me this mountain. How about you? No, you'd give in. You'd give up. You'd throw in the towel. You would say, oh, it was such a long time ago, and then, you know, I can't do anything about it. And, yeah, I had a desire then, but I don't have a desire now. I mean, I'm older in years now. Oh, I mean, I'm too weak, and 
No, you know, back then I could have done it for the Lord. I could have followed through, but now it's different. You know, things change. Uh, I'm weaker, or I don't have the resources or the potential as much as before. Hey, Caleb didn't get say that in verse 11. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. You know how old he was? Probably 85. And he said, no, I still can get it. I still can do it. He didn't give this whiny pansy attitude like the Jews we're gonna die I can't do it I'm too old and I can't no he was resolved and determined that the desire that he had that he wanted for the Lord that he could still do it that's why you don't follow through that's why you're not happy because you your desire has faded away the thing you wanted to make a change in your life for the Lord, you didn't follow through all the way. It's gone. Because you thought you're too weak. You're incapable. No. No, you're not. You're not. If you got a God, you can get it. I want us to go to uh, book of Joshua 15. Joshua 15. If Caleb had a goal in mind, if Caleb had a desire in mind, and I'm sure a lot of you have that, okay? Everyone should have that, you know? If you're complaining or dissatisfied with things in your life, then there should be some kind of goal or desire in your mind then that's missing. If you have that in your mind for the Lord, and I'm not talking about wicked desires. I'm not talking about uh, earthly goals. I'm talking about Things, goals in your life that you want to do something for the Lord that are good. They can be earthly, believe it or not. They can be physical. But as long as it's for the Lord, then uh, you have to do something about it yourself. You can't just lose that. Not just you do something about it yourself. You need to get stir up other people to share the same desire as you. Look at Joshua chapter 15, verse 16. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath-sefer, and taketh it, to him will I give Aksa my daughter to wife. And Othniel, not Caleb, it was Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Aksa his daughter to wife. Caleb said, I'm going to conquer that mountain, didn't he? But he didn't do that here. Instead, he had other people join him. And he had Othniel conquer that part of the land for him. He motivated Othniel to join him in his desire of getting that land. What's my point? If you have a goal and a desire you want to do for the Lord, you can't do it alone as well. Don't get me wrong. There are some things you'll have to do it alone. But there are many other things. You need other brethren. You need other people to join in that same goal desire with you. Now, how are you doing? You're not doing that, right? If you want more people in the church, it's not just you. You need to stir up some of the brethren 
to get involved in bringing people to church. If you want more souls to get saved, you can't just do it yourself. You need to stir up some people to do that. If I want to make a positive impact in the Bay Area, I can't do it myself. I need to come to this pulpit at Sunday and stir you up to join me in the same desire and goal. The point is, if you want something done, you need other people. But how are you doing? You're not doing anything, are you? You're just sitting down, whining, complaining about every bad thing in your life, in your church. If you want to fix those things, you do something about it, and you stir other people up with you to do something about it. But you're not. You're just whining, complaining, being pessimist about everything bad in your life, and you just want people to cry and to die with you rather than other people get stirred up and want to fight against this and make a positive impact with you. Let's uh, go to 1 Samuel. This will be my last one, 1 Samuel. We'll go to chapter 25. Chapter 25. How many of you know this story about Nabal? He was an evil man, wasn't he? He was a wicked man. He was uh, one, if you don't know the story, where, King, uh, where David wanted food because he uh, protected Nabal's uh, possession and livestock. But then Nabal, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even be willing to share food or feed David's men. He was a wicked person. Now, you and I don't want to be that, like Nabal. He was such a wicked, evil man. As a matter of fact, God had to kill him at the end. He was actually known in the Bible as a son of Belial, basically connected to Satan. That's how wicked he was, Nabal. But I wonder, now, I wonder if you're that person, if you're that person who's trapped, who's discontent with things in life, and then just... Can't help but whine things. You may not whine outwardly, but in your heart you are, aren't you? In your heart you are. So you're whining about this could be better. Oh, why, why can't anything be done about this? And if you have that, then there's a very good chance that if 99% of you are like that, then 99% of you are, going, are becoming Nabal. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's go to 1 Samuel 25. Let me explain here. You wouldn't believe where Nabal was from. Look at verse 3. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of who? Caleb, isn't he the guy who is faithful? Who wholly followed the Lord? How did you get a Nabal like that? You know how you get there? Pretty simple, if you were to think about it, if you know our history class, if you've been to our preaching so many times. Caleb was a conqueror, not Nabal. Caleb was the fighter, not Nabal. Caleb, when he had a desire to accomplish for the Lord, he did it, not Nabal. Caleb did all of that, and he had all the riches, the possessions of the beautiful land of Canaan, and Nabal 
didn't do any of those things himself. He was simply a one who just inherited those things. He was simply the one who was dependent on his house of Caleb to do it all for him. And what happens is when you are like Nabal, where you don't do anything about it yourself, but you're so used to this church or the pastor or somebody to do the good things for you, then what happens is when you become dependent on that, you don't do anything about it yourself. And when bad things happen in life, you expect somebody here to take care of it and not yourself. And then what happens is that dependent mindset becomes so dangerous where you don't do anything about it yourself and you become trapped in that dependent lifestyle of eating up any blessing that's left over from any Caleb's who did it. And then what happens, it, it turns into an evil heart. Because the reason why it turns into an evil heart is you become discontent, you become spoiled, dissatisfied, because you never did anything for yourself. And you become trapped in, in that life of somebody doing things for you rather than you doing anything about it yourself. And then when you become trapped like that, it becomes sinful. It turns into sin. Comfort turns into sin nearly all the time. Comfortable living, hoarding the blessings, become taking advantage of those things. What happens is you're eating the blessings God has given to you through the hard work and sweat of Caleb's. And what happens is you're basking in all the blessing. Here's the singing, the preaching, the people who prepared the food, how we got this building, the ties of the people, the soul winning and everything. Here you are basking in all of that, so comfortable in it where they are doing the work and you're not doing it. And what happens is that comfortableness now turns into taking advantage of it. And then now you suck up dry every blessing in here, taking advantage of these people, expecting them to do more things beyond your expectation rather than you doing anything about it yourself and then you become sinful after that. When you take advantage of good Caleb's here, it's going to turn into something sinful if you're not careful. It's going to turn to bitterness now against them. They don't love me. They don't pray for me. They don't follow up with me. And then it turns into something evil where you're not even sharing your food with David. You expect David to share the food with you or to give you more food. That's what happens with a life that's dependent. You want evidence? Look at the Bay Area. A mindset that's dependent on government doing everything, everything, somebody else to do everything for them becomes more, of, more spoiled and more spoiled and a more spoiled generation. A depressed generation a hopeless generation, a trapped generation, that nothing can be done about it. I wish somebody or somebody can change it all. And that's why they'll vote in the Antichrist one day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's sad with some of you if we go to 1 Timothy 6? First Timothy 6. You know what's sad with some of you? Is that you are Nabal, trapped into that comfortable thing where it makes you evil and churlish now. You, you wonder why there are some sins you can't overcome? 
It's because you're so used to living comfortable, not discomfort. You're used to not fighting in your life. You're used to not suffering in your life. You're used to running away from problems. See? That kind of a lifestyle is so dependent, not independent. Not an independent mindset that, no, I'll take it on. I'll fight it. I'll work it out. I can do this because I got God. See, if you've never done that before in your life, then see, it becomes such a horrible trap cycle that you drown yourself to death into that. Drown yourself to a point that you can't get out of that. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. But they that will be rich, see, it feeds your comfortable flesh, fall into where? Temptation and a snare. It traps you. What does trap mean? Trap means you feel trapped right now. You feel like you can never get out of this problem. You feel like this problem will never be resolved. You're all, you wish that somebody or something can save you, but it won't. And so you can't help but whine and complain and be depressed every time. And you're prepared to live and die that way. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Is it hurting you? Which drown men in destruction and perdition. You better thank God that you're not going to burn in hell. Perdition. But it sure drowns you in destruction. And that's a point of no return. Some of you, if you're not careful, you can be stuck in this cycle like those Jews, right? Who are dependent who couldn't do anything themselves, be stuck in this forever cycle where you'll never get out. Are you trapped right now? Are you snared? There's only one thing that can break out of it, and that's the power of God if you're willing to say, I will take it, I will do it. If you won't do that, then you will forever be trapped in a cycle and you'll never get out. Picture the next, can you picture the next 20 years of your life in this cycle? Can you picture that? Can you picture that? This is serious stuff here because you've already lived 20 years doing that. Can you picture the next 20 years that way? I don't care how young you are, you could be 10 years. That's a long time. Can you picture the next 10 years of your life after this? You want to live that way? You want to die that way? This, you're trapped, aren't you? Take a step forward now and say, I have a goal. I want to make my life better. I'm going to do something about it. And I know I can do this because I got God. And I don't care how long it takes. It can be 40 years in the wilderness like Caleb. But I will get that mountain. Now follow up with your desire that you forgot many years ago. Follow up that desire, Caleb. 80 and 5. I'm not weak. I'm not too old. I'm not pathetic. I am strong as I was before. Give me that mountain. I want it. Every head bow and every eye shut.